Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I can't stop the feeling. So just dance, dance, dance. I can't stop the feeling. So just dance, dance, dance. Addition, as the Bengals clinch the AFC North with a heart-stopping come-from-behind win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from the win, post-game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, it's an entertaining addition with the Bengals Director of Strategy and Engagement, Elizabeth Blackburn, the first person to ever bring up the astronomer Galileo in one of my Fun Facts interviews. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Marlena Van Hoos. Marlena sang the national anthem on Sunday, and for my money, nobody does it better. The 26-year-old who was born blind began singing and playing the piano at age two and has the voice of an angel. So, Marlena, if you ever want to sing the first line of a popular song to begin this podcast, it would be an honor to have you. Now, let's get to Sunday's game. It didn't start well for the Bengals. After the two teams traded punts on their opening drives, Patrick Mahomes threw a pair of touchdown passes to give Kansas City a 14-0 lead. Tyreek Hill motions and lines up in the slot to the right. Mahomes with a play-action fake. He's going to air it out. Uh Deep downfield, caught in the end zone for the touchdown. Reeled in by Demarcus Robinson. Mahomes fakes a handoff. He's back to throw. Short pass, caught at the goal line. Travis Kelsey with the touchdown catch. The Bengals were down by two touchdowns in the first quarter and needed a spark. Jamar Chase provided it. On second down and seven from their own 28, trailing 14-0 first quarter. Burrow catches a shotgun snap, drops back three steps, throws, got a man wide open at the 40, it is caught. Chase running to the middle of the field. Come on, Jamar! To the 40, the Chiefs 30, the Chiefs 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Bengals, 72 yards, Burrow to Chase. The throw from Burrow covered 12 yards. Jamar ran for the final 60 after the catch, and it couldn't have come at a better time, according to Zach Taylor. I would agree with you there, just because it was it was just pretty a uh, standard third down play. He ran a, a what we call a pressure out, 10 to, 10 to 12 yard speed out, caught it as, as more of a cover two inside hole shot. And then put his foot in the ground and outran the whole defense for a touchdown, you know. And um, you can't coach that. That's just that's just Jamar Chase being Jamar Chase. But a few minutes later, the Chiefs answered with Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs at their own 35. Crowd getting into it. Mahomes back to throw. Has time. He's going to fire deep downfield. And it is caught at the Bengals 30. And running out of bounds with a huge gain is McColl Hardman at the Cincinnati 11-yard line. He's chased out by Hilton. That 53-yard pass led to a one-yard touchdown run by Darrell Williams to put the Chiefs back on top by 14, but not for long. First and 10 from the 18. Burrow throwing it toward the end zone. Boom. Chase beats his man yeah. with a back shoulder throw. Touchdown. Nice. Bengals as Jamar Chase goes into the gritty dance for the second time in the first half. And the Bengals answer again. The inventor of the dance, Alan Gritty Davis, was in attendance as Jamar's guest. That touchdown made it 21-14. 
But in the first half, the Bengals couldn't stop Mahomes. He led the Chiefs on their fourth straight touchdown drive, ending with another one-yard run by Williams that made it 28-14 with 2.18 left in the half. Before the game, the Bengals won the toss and elected to defer, giving them the chance to end the first half with points before opening the second half by scoring again. They got three in the final minute of the half. McPherson is set. The snap, the put down, the swing of the right leg, and it is beautiful. Yep. A 46-yard field goal by Evan McPherson made it an 11-point deficit at halftime. Not ideal, but it could have been worse. Here's Zach Taylor. We weathered the storm. We didn't think this was going to be easy. Uh, you probably don't think that you're going to shut the Chiefs out. They're, they're going to make plays, and, and they've got some of their premier guys at those positions. And in a lot of the plays they made in the first half, you know, he created some, we were good initially in coverage and he created some time and they made some plays down the field. And that was kind of our message at halftime is, is they've made some great plays. We've been in pretty good position. They've made some outstanding plays. Um, so our time's going to come. We just got to calm down, keep putting the pressure on them on offense and scoring points and let our defense kind of get settled down a little bit. And that's what they did. And, and ultimately that's how we won the game. On their third play of the second half, the Burrow to Chase combination proved deadly again. Burrow back to throw. Good protection. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide open. <laughs> sprinting downfield oh. to the 20, the 10. <laughs> Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. 69 yards. Burrow with his second long touchdown of the day to Jamar Chase and his third overall to numero uno. A 72-yarder in the first quarter and that 69-yarder in the third. The Chiefs tried to frequently blitz Burrow and play man coverage against Chase, a strategy that failed miserably. Here's Burrow. You know, if you're going to play him one-on-one, you know, a lot of times it's going to be a long day for you. And you know, he's a great player. He's going to be a great player for, for a long time. Great person, too. He doesn't care if he gets 260 yards and, and three touchdowns or if he gets zero yards and everyone else you know, makes all the, all the yards. So great guy to have on your team. The Bengals trailed 28-24 going to the fourth quarter and put together their longest drive of the day, an 86-yard march that ended with Burrow's fourth touchdown pass. Shotgun snap. Burrow retreats, looking, throws into the yeah. back of the end zone. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, yeah. got it. Yeah. Touchdown, nice. Bengals. Nice. Near the back pylon, Tyler Boyd with great footwork. And now he sits up in the stands and flexes both biceps as the Bengals take the lead for the first time today. That's just field awareness. That's body control. And on top of everything else, that is just a perfect throw by number nine. After throwing for 525 yards and four touchdowns last week, Burrow followed it up with 446 and four more TDs. In the process, he broke Andy Dalton's team records for passing yards and touchdowns in a season. After the game, Zach Taylor was asked if he could put into words what Burrow means to the franchise. No, I can't. Um, I don't think anybody can. You know, he's... We had great expectations for him, and so far I'd say he's exceeded the expectations. And of, and of course, he's got championships on his brain. He's not about winning big regular season games. You know, I know that that's that's why he's here. He's he's a he was always playing for championships in high school, winning championships in college, and his expectation expectation has always been to elevate this franchise to be able to compete for championships here. And and it's not going to be easy. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. We're we're not even close yet to to doing all those great things, but certainly a big step in the right direction today. And then there's no question that Joe is at the forefront of leadership on this team and um, this team jumps on his back and, and he'll, he'll carry us as far as we'll let him. The Bengals had a 31-28 lead, but there were nearly 12 minutes remaining 
and after punting on both of their possessions in the third quarter, the Chiefs drove to the Bengals' 16 before getting stopped on third and five. They settled for a field goal that tied the game at 31. The Bengals got the ball back with six minutes to go, and Burrow took charge. Burrow extends the hands. Here comes a blitz. He's back to throw. He's going to fire down the sideline. Chase goes up and over his defender, makes the catch for another huge gain. He had 2-0-1 before that catch and reels in another big play before going out of bounds at the 24 of Kansas City. Ward in coverage, and Jamar Chase is a man among boys. That 35-yard pass put the Bengals well within field goal range, but a holding penalty and a sack cost them 17 yards and made it third and forever. Third down and 27 at the 41 of KC. 31 all is the score. Here comes a blitz. Burrow is going to throw it deep for Chase. Chase has got it. He's got it and goes out of bounds with a first down. Unreal. Unreal. At the 12-yard line, he beat Charvarius Ward. And now Jamar Chase is getting close to Chad Johnson's all-time record for receiving yards in a game. Chad's record was 260, and Jamar broke it with 11 catches for 266, including 105 yards after the catch. He also set a new record for receiving yards in a season by a rookie in the Super Bowl era with 1,429. That's 29 yards more than the 1,400 posted by his former LSU teammate Justin Jefferson last year. On draft night, Jamar said he was going to break every receiving record the Bengals have, and it looks like he wasn't kidding around. I mean, I knew I could do it. I mean, it's something I, you know, if you put your mind to it, then you could do it. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I came in here with that plan. Um, I wrote it down and came in with that plan, and I'm going to stick with it, you know, and just, I just got to keep working, you know, still a long way to go. After the game, Chase was shocked to learn that he had seven more receiving yards than Mahomes had passing yards. I don't think I did that. Ain't no way. I did? Oh, sh**. Oh, sorry, sorry. Excuse my profanity. (laughs) Apology accepted. After Chase's final catch of the day, three straight Joe Mixon runs gave the Bengals a first and goal at the one with two minutes to go. Burrow tried a quarterback sneak and got stopped. He tried another and got stoned again. The Bengals handed it to Mixon, and he didn't get in. It was fourth and goal inside the one. And rather than kick a field goal to take the lead, Zach Taylor went for it, and a pass to Mixon didn't work. He got tackled inside the one. But there were offsetting penalties, and the Bengals got to try again. The Chiefs crowd the middle of the defensive line. Burrow back to throw, rolling to the right, looking back to the left, throws into the end zone. Another Incomplete penalty flag in the end zone. A hand-to-the-face penalty gave the Bengals a first down at the one with 46 seconds to go. The Chiefs were out of timeouts, so the Bengals took the clock down to two seconds and called on Evan Money Mac McPherson to attempt the game winner. Two seconds left. This will be a 20-yard attempt from the middle of the field to send the Bengals into the postseason. Kevin Huber is ready. Catches the snap. Puts it down. The kick is on (laughs) its way. It is good! The Cincinnati Bengals clinch the AFC North and prove they can beat anybody as they rally from 14 down on three separate occasions and beat the Kansas City Chiefs 34-31. They beat the AFC West champs six times in a row. 
They beat the AFC perennial champs in so doing. How about that, sports fans? So a five-year playoff drought is over. The Bengals will open the playoffs at home after capturing the AFC North with one game to go. Right now, they're the number three playoff seed in the AFC, but the Bengals could climb to number one and get a bye if three things happen in the final week. The Bengals beat the Browns, the top-seeded Titans lose at Houston, and the second-seeded Chiefs lose at Denver. Here's Zach Taylor. you got to play your best football at the end of the season uh, going to the playoffs, and right now I think we're playing pretty good football. Um, the confidence is really high in the locker room. You, you don't want to take a team into the playoffs that's just feeling like, oh, man, we've hit a lull. And, um, and again, I, I think these guys are in a really good spot mentally right now. Taylor was a little choked up at the beginning of his postgame news conference, and Joe Burrow is thrilled for his head coach. When I had my, my first meeting with Zach at the Combine, I knew – I knew exactly what kind of coach that we had, and I knew exactly where I wanted to be. He's a great offensive mind and a great leader of men. He does a great job. I couldn't have asked for a better situation. And leave it to two Ohio kids, Burrow and Sam Hubbard, to describe what it all means to Cincinnati. I would say it means more because I'm from Ohio. I know the history of the Bengals. You know, I know the, the ownership that we have has taken a lot of heat, but they, I mean, they do a great job and have done a great job building this team. And so, you know, a lot of credit to the, the Brown family for, for doing that. And like I said, they did a, a great job hiring Zach. Couldn't have asked for a better situation from ownership all the way down. You know, I just had uh, one of the people involved in the organization tell me how happy Mike Brown was. He, you know, was on the verge of tears. And that just is really a special feeling because, you know, it really is a great family-run organization. They, they take care of us. And uh, to get this win for the city, this team, it's, it means a lot. As he did after winning the national championship a couple of years ago, Burrow lit up a victory cigar after the game, one that was mysteriously left in front of his locker by Joe Mixon. He actually gave it to me a couple weeks ago. I came in and it was sitting on my chessboard, and I didn't really know who gave it to me until today. And he said, I gave it to you a couple weeks ago. I said, oh, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Perfect timing. The Bengals are 10-6 and and head to Cleveland next week. The Browns have been eliminated from playoff contention and face the Steelers on Monday night in Pittsburgh. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. Ultimate Bengals will be awarding a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Now, time for post-game analysis with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. So, Lap, the Bengals not only wrapped up the AFC North, but they beat a team that was the number one playoff seed in the AFC and had an eight-game winning streak in Kansas City. What does that say about the Bengals' ability now to possibly have a run in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I think it says a lot. I, I think the, the Kansas City Chiefs are obviously playing for the number one seed, you know, and now there's no guarantee of that, you know, depending on how, how things unfold. So it wasn't like the game didn't mean anything to them, and they obviously had to overcome some issues up front with their offensive line. The Bengals did as well. Um, and this this was a classic game of uh, even really, really good football teams uh, going to lose football games if they make critical mistakes at, at serious, uh, at, at very um, important moments of the football game. And Kansas City, honestly, down the stretch, made more mistakes than the Bengals did. So I, I think it is it does signal that we're here. Um, we can beat anybody if we play our type of football and, uh, and play s- smart. 
intense football and don't uh, don't make mistakes that are going to hurt you. Jamar Chase had the best performance by a Bengals wide receiver ever. 11 catches, 266 yards, three touchdowns. What amazed you most? How very rarely was he wide open. I mean, he and Burrow have that innate connection where if you're even, that guy's lost. I mean, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow's going to throw the football if Jamar Chase is just anywhere close to being even with a guy, never mind beating a guy. And, and he's going to throw it to a spot that Jamar Chase knows he's going to throw it to, and Jamar Chase is going to make a play on the football. And just his ability after the catch is, I think, what jumped out to me today. I mean, they played so much just straight man on him. And it really wasn't terrible coverage. But he is so physical. I mean, guys bounce off him when they he – just, he just throws people around. He is, he's a man amongst boys in that regard. And uh, his yards after catch – on the 70-yard touchdown, I know we're 60 yards right there. I don't know how many of his 260-plus yards were after the catch, but I'd say at least half of them, you know, maybe close to two-thirds of those bad boys were, were after catch. And uh, it's just it's remarkable the trust that's uh, been built between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I mean, Joe Burrow throw, will throw him the football in the process of him running a route where it's like, why did he think that Jamar Chase was going to be able to make mm -hmm. that play? And he, he basically, when he sees man coverage, he believes Jamar Chase is, is invincible. Last week, Burrow threw for 525 and four touchdowns. His passer rating today was even better than it was last week. 148 today, 143.2 last week. Should we be looking at Joe Burrow as an MVP candidate? <laughs> He's making a push. I think, I mean, there's there's no question about it. The, the Bengals, for the first time all season, have a three-game winning streak at the most opportune time to have it, and it clinches them the AFC North. Um, I, I think he should be in the conversation. You know, there's like, okay, comeback player of the year. Dak Prescott obviously is is like the lock, the lock on it. Joe Burrow, what about Joe Burrow? Are you kidding me? I mean, that guy should get a lot of consideration. MVP, you know, there's maybe – couple of candidates that are more of a lock but he's in the conversation for a lot of things I think the way he's playing football right now and honestly I'm not sure that he shouldn't be in the conversation for highest IQ in the National Football mm -hmm. League this guy he is he is very very difficult to fluster I mean he's he's always calm never confused if he is confused, he certainly doesn't give any indication with the outward appearance that he is. And that is, that's so calming for teammates. I'm sure his demeanor in the huddle must be like such a confidence builder. You know, I mean, Boomer's the type that would come into the huddle and be a swashbuckler. All right, we're going to go kick their butts collectively. You know, he'd be, he'd be that kind of guy. I think Kenny and Joe Burrow's demeanor are very similar in that you know that their computer-like mind is on point and it's like, this guy's in total command right now. All we have to do is do our job, and good things are going to happen. I'm picturing Matt Damon in uh, Goodwill Hunting with, like, the mathematical formulas yeah, right. and stuff dancing right. in the air. Uh, Burrow and Chase are the headliners, and for good reason. But how about the defense? Because Kansas City scored on four straight drives in the first half, had 28 points at halftime, scored three points the rest of the way. Yeah, and I think, I think that uh, part of it is, is the offense uh, supporting that. But the defense did a good job. I mean, the defense responded in, in the second half, and, and Kansas City gives you a lot. I mean, Andy Reid gives you a lot of things to think about, and they're, and they're difficult, uh, 
you know, he's he's specific to what he does and how he, how he game plans people open and he changes things on a week to week basis and uh, he he just he makes you adjust. You know that you go when you go into a football game. It's not like oh I know exactly what Andy Reid's going to do and here's how I'm going to stop it. It's uh it's that high level chess match. You know he's he's in the category with Belichick. I love when uh, when Bill Belichick and Andy Reid go head to head because in and Belichick will Bill Belichick will say it. Say Andy Reid is uh he's he's a he's an unbelievable scheme guy. You know and and it's it's like two master chess players going at it head to head and um, adjust adjust to the adjustment and man check not checkmate no just check it's it's really fun to watch that and I think I think he he puts a lot on your plate and I think for the defense to make the adjustments they made at halftime are big and I think that's a good indicator too because you're down 14 points three different times to you know the AFC West champ the only team that had clinched a playoff spot in the AFC and you beat them have to be in, you know, after trailing by 14 points, not once, not twice, but three different times. You know, you, you think you're mounting a comeback? Oh, they answer. Oh, they, you know, they're not ready yet. You mount another comeback, they answer. And man, to do it three times and then ultimately take your first lead in the fourth quarter and win the thing, that's saying a lot. I don't know about you. I'm happy the Bengals don't have to go to Cleveland, desperately needing a win to make it to the postseason. It's nice now to go there playing for playoff position. Right now, the Bengals are the number three seed. Tennessee moved up to number one, Kansas City number two, Cincinnati number three. Those three teams have clinched their divisions, and who knows, maybe the Bengals can climb up another notch. I'm thrilled they don't have to go up there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that they couldn't go up there with all of it on the line and get it done, but I've been in both cases. I've been in both situations, and I know what that's like, and it's not a and, uh, to take care of business the way they took care of it against the, uh, against this good of a football team and to make the statement that they made people were like this is a statement game they made a huge statement and I think I think all that's positive I mean honestly the way Joe Burrow's limping around I know it's early but if he is at the least bit uh, limited or hindered you don't have to play him you don't have to play Joe Burrow in that football game it gives you a lot of uh, and I'm not saying that's going to be the case but it's good to have that luxury what what if they hadn't worked out and they lose a heartbreaker, and Joe Burrow's limping around like that, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you've got to go to Cleveland and beat Cleveland up on the lake, and Joe Burrow's limping and gimping around right now. What are we looking at? All of that pressure's off, so um, it's, it, it gives, you, gives you a lot of options, uh, and, and I'm, I think they're going to go up there and try to win the football game, though, because, yeah, you're, you're trying to there, – there's – depending on how other things uh, turn out, you know, you never know what seed you might be able to achieve. You know, you're still playing for as high a seed as you possibly can. What an awesome game. I mean, to see Mahomes and Burrow trade heavyweight uppercuts for four quarters, tremendous theater. And, and they, they get incredible results different ways. I mean, Joe Burrow is like, like the doctorate in football geometry. He reads angles. He reads trajectory. He knows exactly all this stuff, you know, uh, uh, computes to, I have to put the ball right here. And I'm good enough from 45 yards out to put the ball right there and nowhere else. And he did it over and over and over. Whereas Mahomes just throws, I mean, rockets. He has no trajectory or little trajectory on his football. And man, that guy, I'm sure, I'm sure many a receiver have a cross on their chest from 
when that ball has slipped through their hands, you know, and, and, the, and the tip of that football just leaves a little mm-hmm. tattoo on your chest. He, he is something to watch throw the football. Uh, but I think they're both incredibly intelligent. But honestly, from the neck up, I'm not sure. And, you know, I guess Tom Brady, obviously, he's done it for so long and he is so brilliant. But there's not very many guys from the neck up that I would take over Joe Burrow. I don't think I'd take Brady. I mean, at this point, how much longer is he going to do it? Joe Burrow is on the initial stages. I mean, when you think about what he and Jamar Chase can do, 25 and 21 years old, my goodness. Mm -hmm. I mean, those numbers could be sick. They really could. In our first five years together as broadcast partners, the Bengals went to the playoffs. They've missed the last five. Now this would be nice to start another year of at least another streak of at least five years. That's right, the tiebreaker. <laughs> five good, five not so good, and let's yeah, let, let's make this the beginning of a run. I, I just felt so good too to see the the just childlike raw exuberance of Zach Taylor, the coaches, the players. I mean. I'm telling you, Dan, I've been fortunate enough to experience it. There is no better feeling than the unbridled joy that you feel as a grown man playing a kid's game and, and working out the way that you want it to work out when there's so much on the line. And uh, it's just, as has been said so many times, and it's true, there's not another business like it. I mean, you can... You can close deals, big you know, big deals and all that, and you you can you can feel tremendous accomplishment, but that emotional, that raw emotion, that unbridled whatever, man, it, it uh, the adrenaline rush is just unbelievable. I don't think these guys are going to be able to sleep tonight. I I know when we won the uh, um, our first playoff, when qualified for the playoffs, no sleep. When we beat uh, when we win against Buffalo first round, no sleep freezer bowl no sleep for a lot of reasons and then lose the super bowl no sleep because i'm pissed but you know <laughs> a different reason but but those those even the even the 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 utter depressed feeling of losing a super bowl i don't think i'd i don't think i'd uh i'd try to change the outcome obviously but even knowing that i wasn't maybe gonna feel that joy just to feel what you feel in those situations is, is, is amazing. It really is. More on Sunday's win. Join Lap and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line, Monday night from 6 to 9 on 700 WLW. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment. And it's not with a player this week. Instead, it's a member of the front office. Time for some fun facts of the Bengals Director of Strategy and Engagement, Elizabeth Blackburn. You attended your first Bengals game when you were seven not seven years old, seven days old. You obviously don't remember that, but what are some of your earliest Bengals memories? I remember being in the pool at Wilmington College during training camp. That was, I think, the first time I ever swam. Hmm. I remember dressing up in the like little kid cheerleader costumes <laughs> with my sister. That was both on game days and on weekdays. <laughs> and I just remember the yellow seats at Riverfront Stadium. And I think really until we got to Paul Brown Stadium was when I was more remembering like the game, game day atmosphere, 
Yeah, Riverfront, I just remember the yellow seats. For some reason, those really stood out. They made a strong impression. <laughs> Former Pro Bowl quarterback Jeff Blake was your first favorite Bengals player. Do you even remember why? I mean, probably the touchdown passes. But I'm saying that after watching a bunch of footage recently right. with Jeff Blake and the moon balls and shaken Blake, like that's all stuff that I've relearned, <laughs> honestly, coming, coming back here. So I can say maybe subconsciously the touchdowns, but I just, I loved Jeff Blake and I loved his smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does have a great smile. I agree with you there. We're, we're chatting with Elizabeth Blackburn. You were born a year after your great-grandfather, Paul Brown, passed away. Have you spent a lot of time reading about him, asking your grandfather about him, and learning about his life and legacy? I have, and I know I have so much more to learn. I started reading his book by Jack Clary before I moved home last year, and you know, I've, I've really enjoyed talking to my grandpa about his dad through the Ring of Honor project and, and just being around more, but I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. Your grandfather, Mike Brown, gives you credit for helping to convince him that it was time to start the Ring of Honor. Did you make a formal presentation or was it just casual conversation? Yes, I did make a formal presentation. <laughs> I made several. Uh, I think my grandpa, my family, and many other people that I have the pleasure of working with here know that I came from a consulting background and love PowerPoint presentations. Um, so it was, it was a mix. Uh, I definitely gave formal presentations to outline how, how it would work. And he was really engaged and wanted to know the detail and know how thoughtful we were being about the selection process, about the induction process in ensuring that it would remain prestigious into the future. Mm-hmm. So that was a mix of formal presentations and I did a ton of research on Bengals history and operational stuff as well as just some really fun conversations over lunch and before work in the morning and having our own internal debates of who we would want to see in and fun conversations like that as well. We have something in common. In the 2015 playoff game against the Steelers, when Vontez Perfect intercepted the pass with a minute and a half to go and it looked like the Bengals had won, I've said many times that was the happiest moment of my life. We're talking my wedding day, the birth of my son. I am only half joking. That's how happy I was. I read an interview where you said, I've never felt that high. Did that moment impact what you're trying to create at Paul Brown Stadium? A hundred percent. It was the best feeling of my life. And I want to replicate that. And I want that feeling to last way longer for me and so, 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 so many other people. What does a packed Paul Brown Stadium and the crowd going nuts do for the city of Cincinnati? Honestly, Dan, it's similar to that last question because 
it creates a feeling and an energy and a community you cannot get anywhere else. For fans who have been to games, hopefully this resonates. And for fans who haven't, I would really encourage you to come check out a game because in person, being surrounded by 65,000 other people, being a part of something way bigger than yourself, it just feels different. And it's amazing. And it literally gives me chills and like this incredible mix of emotions you just can't get in any other setting. You published a mission statement in February and it included the following. We want to bring Super Bowl titles to Cincinnati. We need to. It is the singular purpose that drives my family and the one goal at the top of my mind every day. The Bengals haven't historically said things like that. There's been kind of a Midwestern modesty that is admirable in a way. But did you think it was important to change that? I did because I felt like things were getting lost in translation. I think that culture and people have shifted a bit. And while I absolutely want to continue Midwestern modesty and humility, I was sensing that people were not appreciating modesty and instead under interpreting things in ways that were not correct. Mm -hmm. And I felt that it was important to give our fans clarity and certainty that there is no doubt what this franchise is about. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You went to Dartmouth. Was it nice to have some anonymity and not be known for your connection to the Bengals? Yes, it was it was critical. It gave me an opportunity to be myself and ultimately prove to myself that the Bengals were core to my identity and I loved them and I loved Cincinnati and I wanted to come back on my own volition and not because it was the only thing I knew. Um, it was also really important to go be in a setting and make friends and prove that they liked me and and trusted me as a person without knowing anything about me. And that's something, honestly, I I kind of hope and and try to take here, even though I, I know that's not fully possible. But proving myself as an individual is really important to me. How did you follow the games? Is there a Bengals bar in Hanover, New Hampshire? <laughs> there are like no bars in Hanover, New Hampshire. <laughs> now I feel like Joe Burrow and I'm probably going to get slighted by anyone who loves Hanover, New Hampshire. There are wonderful restaurants and fraternity and sorority houses in Hanover, New Hampshire. Um, following the games at Dartmouth was one of the kind of most special and cool connection points to my grandpa because my grandpa has a has a friend from Dartmouth and actually from Cleveland. They they were a year or two apart and played football together, grew up together in Cleveland, and both went to Dartmouth. And his friend still lived in Hanover when I was in school. And he had Sunday ticket. Nice. And he and his wife would invite me and uh, one of my friends who I went to high school with and went to Dartmouth with me, as well as 
now my fiance, the three of us kind of became this crew that would go over every Sunday and watch the Bengals games at my grandpa's friend's house. And it was wonderful to get to know him. It was like a, a new connection point to my grandpa and my family and his time at Dartmouth, which was really cool. And it was also a really nice home experience away from home when you're just at, at college seeing other 22-year-olds all day. And instead, I would go over and they would cook us dinner. And it was the sweetest, most wonderful way to spend a Sunday. I'm sure it was awesome for your uh, grandfather's friend, too. You majored in engineering and economics. Were those subjects that you were interested in, or were you specifically thinking of things that would be helpful if you chose a career in the NFL? Both, and I'm very lucky to say that. Um, I love problem solving, and I love kind of like real-world operations, and that's where economics came in. I love business, and... I also love teamwork, and and engineering proved to have a lot of group projects and and teamwork related to that work. So those were two things I enjoyed. They were things I was naturally good at, and I knew that they would set me up, not necessarily for working in sports, but I knew that those would give me really good tools to apply to just have a successful career after college. Your mom, Katie, has been called one of the most powerful women in the NFL. She cringed when I brought that up in one of these (laughs) conversations, but it's undeniably true. What do you admire most about your mom? The fact that she cringed when Mm. you told her that because she is the most amazing role model I could ever ask for, and yet she is so humble about it. It's amazing. This is kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, actor, statesman, religious figure, living or deceased, who would that person be? Just one. No, if you want to go with more than one, that's fine. Okay. I've gotten this question as an icebreaker before of like, what three people would you eat dinner with? Mm -hmm. And that was actually one of the first times I ever sort of made the connection of how disconnected I was to my great-grandfather. And so I pick him. I definitely would pick Paul Brown. And then if I get a few others, I would love to sit down with Queen Elizabeth of England. She had such a long reign in a time when female leaders were nearly unheard of and was so successful. And um, maybe like Galileo. Hmm. You know, I get the sense that your great-grandfather, Paul Brown, and Galileo would hit it off. Both geniuses, obviously, but inventors who envisioned things that nobody else had thought of. Exactly, and that's why I wanted to give you multiple, because Mm -hmm. I think the inter-room dynamics would make it way more interesting than me just getting to talk to one person. <laughs> See, at my dream table, I'm just sitting there and listening. Yes, exactly. I like hope to not say anything except for, <laughs> can I top off your glass? All right. You are off the hot seat. I appreciate your time. Happy holidays, and uh, enjoy the rest of what's been a great season. Thank you, Dan, and Hude. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.